Hooray Run Podcast, Episode 2. My friend and former teammate at Hope College, cross country and track, Will Hewitt, will join me later in the podcast to discuss the men's 4x800 meter relay from the IAAF World Relays that took place on Sunday and Nassau Bahamas, the USA men, take home the gold. And we're going to talk in more detail about Clayton Murphy's tenacity and strength. To start off the pod, it's just going to be me solo, James Rogers, talking about what we missed in episode one from the Boston Marathon that was on April 17th. T.Dot and I discussed it. I'm going to cover some of the points that we may have missed or didn't touch on as much as we should have. Also, London Marathon kicked off Series 11 of the World Marathon Majors on April 23rd. Two women break 218. On the men's side, Daniel Wangiro took down Kenanisa Bekele, winning by 9 seconds. Laura Thweet, 28-year-old American marathoner, huge race in London. She finished 6th and a huge personal best of 225.38, becoming the 7th fastest American woman marathoner ever. So let's get rolling on episode 2. My friend, Mikey, Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Check him out. Mikey. Drop that beat. Hooray Run Podcast, Episode 2. Thanks for listening. Much appreciation. It's just me, James Rogers, solo to start off the show. Later, as I said in the intro, Will Hewitt, my friend, will join me to discuss men's 4x800 meter relay from the World Relays held in Nassau, Bahamas. So I am solo to start. I do have my dog, Frankie, on my lap right now. So if you hear any jingling, that's his collar. He might tug on my headphones a little bit. He's a little jittery. So if I got to take care of him, might have to take a little break. But we're just going to get after it. Frankie, you can add commentary whenever you'd like. Just don't interrupt me too much, all right, brother? All right, we're good. So in episode one, my friend Tyler Brinks, a.k.a. T-Dot, we discussed Boston Marathon. We recapped some notable storylines. There were a few things that we may have wanted to touch on a little more in detail. One of them being the third-place men's finisher, Suguru Osako, of the Nike Oregon Project, NOP. Whenever I say NOP on the podcast, that's the Nike Oregon Project. It's an elite professional running group based out in Oregon, coached by Alberto Salazar. The NOP consists of nine athletes, Mo Farah, Galen Rupp, Matthew Centrowitz, Cam Levins, Eric Jenkins, Suguru Osaku, Jordan Hase, Trenir Mosier, and Shannon Robury. Suguru Osako, Japanese, 25-year-old. It was his debut marathon in, in Boston on April 17th, and he he went third place, took a bronze there, and that's nothing to just shy away from because that's huge. That's a It was a huge day for Salazar on that Boston Marathon Monday, taking second with Galen Rupp, third with Osako, and then third place finish for Jordan Hase on the women's side. Huge day for NOP. Osako joined NOP in May of 2015, so he's relatively new to the group. He does have a 1308 5K PR. 
from July 2015. Also a 27.38 10K on the track run in 2013. He ran the 5 and 10K in Rio at the Olympics 2016 last summer. His NOP assistant coach, Pete Julian, had an interesting interview with Let's Run post-Boston Marathon. And I, I found it interesting that Julian said, uh, he said, I thought maybe on a great day, Suguru could finish top eight. And he goes third. Just a backtrack to Boston. Shout out to Suguru Osako for a terrific run. Third place in the men's race. Two Americans went 9-10 for the men. In ninth place was Luke Piskedra. And he went 2-14-45. Luke is the 25th fastest American marathoner. He ran that 2-10 and change at Chicago in 2015, 210-24. He was fourth at the Olympic trials. That's a heartbreaker because if you did not know, top three at the Olympic marathon trials make it on the Olympic team. Someone's got to finish fourth, and it was Luke Piskedra in the last trials. So he's come back. Ninth place, I know he was disappointed, was hoping for much more in a quicker time, but still top 10 at Boston, something to applaud for. Jared Ward finished 10th on the men's side in Boston. I saw some message boards. People were hoping for a little more from Jared because he was he's still on the upswing. He's relatively new to the marathon distance from BYU. He finished 10th place, 10th place at Boston, 215-28, but he was coming off a Rio experience. He was an Olympian. He finished 3rd at the Olympic Trials. And he was sixth in Rio at the Olympic Games. And that was a super encouraging result. It was a 2.11.30, 2 hours, 11 minutes, 30 second PR there at the Rio Olympics last summer. So people were really amped up about what can he do in Boston? Can he crack a top five spot? He faded to 10th place, but still top 10 in Boston. (laughs) You can still take home positive reaction from that. Jared Ward. Really looking forward to what his next attempt at the marathon will be and what kind of shape he is going into it. Just wanted to to highlight him. We didn't really get in detail about Ward and Puskedra in episode one. Another talking point was Galen Rupp racing in half tights. It was an interesting look, I'll admit it. But again, I said it in episode one, I trust the game plan of Alberto Salazar and the Nike Oregon project. And yes, it does look a little off when they show the shot of the starting line with the elite men and Rupp, to my knowledge, is the only one in half tights for the elite men start. It's interesting. It was. He was wearing the hat, the half tights, and it's all part of the strategy and what he's comfortable in. And I, at this point, with Rupp being America's best distance runner, I'm going to trust him. And I'm not going to go into more detail on Rupp wearing half tights at the Boston Marathon because I want to get to the London Marathon, which took place on Sunday, April 23rd. Big time race on the women's side. Top two go sub 218, becoming the second and third fastest women ever. Mary Katani of Kenya taking the win in 2.17.01, which is a world record. Now, the world record for the women is 
quite confusing because this 217.01 run by Katani is an official women's only world record, but it needs to be deemed women's only because Paula Radcliffe of the UK ran 215.25 in London 2003, but she was paced by a couple of men, and so it wasn't considered an official women's world record, although it is looked at as a world it's it's a lot a lot going into this 215.25 is the fastest marathon ever run by a woman that was Radcliffe London 03 but she was paced by men so that's why they had to come up with this women's only category and Mary Katani 217.01 breaks that Katani taking it out in a blistering suicidal pace from the gun at halfway she was 66 minutes 54 seconds no American woman has ever run that fast for a half marathon, ever. And Katani does it halfway through the London Marathon, 66.54. You do the numbers to get what pace she was on there. Would have been well beyond Radcliffe's record of 215.25 from 03. But Katani slowed up throughout the race. Each of her 5K splits got slower than the last one, which was unfortunate to see, but at the same time, we get 217.01, second fastest woman ever. That's a big payday for Katani, too, taking home a hefty amount of cash. She got 55000 for the victory, 100000 for sub 218, another $25,000 for the course record, and $125,000 for the world record. So, total in prize money for Katani, and that's not even taking into account appearance fees. Yes, the London Marathon most likely paid Mary Katani quite a bit just to show up to the race. Who knows what's in Katani's contract with Adidas? I'm most certainly going to say there's incentive for setting a world record, possibly even winning a major marathon which London indeed is. So Mary Katani, who knows, it could have approached seven-figure day for her with all she accomplished in one race. Second place on the women's side, Tiranesh Dababa of Ethiopia. Holy cow. Second marathon ever. She had stomach distress, like 30K mark to 39K mark. There's quite an eye-opening video, a clip out there of her actually stopping stand still at one point holding her stomach and just urging herself on you know slow pace going into the stop and then slow pace getting back into her normal gear she was battling stomach distress and still goes 217.56 for an Ethiopian national record obviously a huge PR as I said earlier she is now the third fastest woman of all time with that sub 218 we went over the world record and all the hoopla with that. The IAAF recognizes two marathon world records for the women. And one of them is for mixed gender, which Paula Radcliffe has with that 215.25. And they also recognize the women's only record, which now belongs to Mary Katani. Big time race put on by the women in London. In 6th place, Laura Thweet 
going to focus on the American now, sponsored by Saucony, 28 years old, over eight minutes back of the leader, but still a 225-38 makes headlines for American distance running and deservedly so for Laura Thweet. Second marathon attempt, takes home prize money at a major marathon, seventh fastest American woman ever now with that 225.38. I'm going to read you a note she posted on Twitter. She said, last Sunday, I became the number seven all-time best U.S. women's marathoner. And as much as it was a great race, the bar that has been set by our country's best is in another stratosphere. I still have a lot of work to do. But thank you, ladies, for setting the standard of excellence and the opportunity to follow in your footsteps. So in the span of one week, we have Jordan Hase and Laura Thweet crack the top seven all-time for American women marathoning. Hase with that 223 flat in Boston on April 17th. Thweet, 225.38 in London on April 23rd. Big congrats to both women. Laura Thweet, that was just her second marathon attempt. Nearly a three-minute PR. She ran New York City in 2015 and went 228-23. Comes back London in 2017, 225-38. Congrats to the 28-year-old Thweet. Looking forward to her progression in the marathon. Men's race in London going to focus on the top two finishers, Daniel Wanjiro of Kenya and Kenanisa Bekele of Ethiopia. Wanjiro, 24 years old. Holds off a charging Bekele, wins by 9 seconds, gets $55,000 for the win, plus another $75,000 for breaking 206. He had a 205.21 personal record coming into the race. That was set in October at Amsterdam, 205.21. Then follows it up, follows it up 205.48 for the 9-second victory over Bekele. On April 23rd. Bekele, he's incredible. If you want to look up his pedigree, please, please do. He's the 5K and 10K world record holder on the track. He set that 5K world record in 04. Followed it up with a 10K world record in 2005. He's 34 years old now, full on into marathoning. And I'm grateful for this because I wasn't a huge running fan back in 04, 05 time period when Bekele was just eating up the track, running insane times. I mean, 12.37 for a 5K, 26.17 for 10K. Oh my gosh. But Bekele now all into marathoning, and it's a lot of fun to watch. He's actually gone 2.03.03 already in the marathon. That was set in Berlin, September of 2016. He beat out Wilson Kipsang, who has an unbelievable marathon resume at this point in his career. So Berlin Berlin 2016, Bekele set his 203.03 PR. Kipsang ran 203.13 in that race. Four seconds shy of a sub-203. Bekele comes out, runs 205.57 on April 23rd. Hot on the heels of Wanjiro. It was actually incredible watching some of these overhead shots i love the the sky shots either done by a drone or some sort of flying aircraft really cool shots and i've been watching planet earth 2 and the grasslands episode had this 
thrilling, gripping scene of an Arctic wolf chasing a caribou calf on the grasslands. And this wolf is just in hot pursuit, burning his wheels, and the caribou is actually running for its life. And you could see that on Sunday in London. Daniel Wangiro, this young marathoner, 24 years old, checking back multiple times to see who's approaching and oh my gosh it's Kenanisa Bekele arguably the greatest distance runner of all time is charging fast that you would just remind him I was like oh my goodness this is actually planet earth 2 the grasslands episode arctic wolf that being Bekele chasing after this caribou calf and I was hoping the gap would close even more commentators said it got to within seven seconds but Wanjiro had an answer every time he glanced back. I mean, Wanjiro's neck next morning had to be sore, waking up, recovering, and just thinking, oh my gosh, I can't can't turn my neck the way I usually can because the amount of times he glanced back in worried trouble that Bekele was going to keep on closing this gap. It was fun to watch, and again, I was hoping it close to like two or three seconds and then Bekele would get up on his shoulder, but Wanjiro unbelievable resolve to maintain composure you could tell he was anxious at times when he turned around and saw Bekele in the rear view but he holds off Ethiopia's greatest and goes 205 48 for the win Bekele also getting the time bonus of $75,000 for breaking 206 he ran London last year 206.36 for Bekele, third place finish, so a 39 second improvement in his second attempt at London. Whew. Those last four miles, those overhead shots on Sunday, just waiting for the wolf to catch the caribou, didn't quite happen. And hey, the caribou calf outran the Arctic wolf and planet Earth too. Wanjiro holds on, outduels. Bekele. Got this stat from letsrun.com. 4 hours, 22 minutes, and 49 seconds. That's the combined winning time of the men and women from the 2017 London Marathon with Wanjiro going 205.48 for the men and Mary Katani 217.01 for the women. That 422.49 combined winning time, lowest in marathon history, beating out the 423 14 set in the 02 Chicago Marathon where Khalid Kanuchi went 205.56 for the men and Paula Ratcliffe ran 217.18 for the women's victory. 422.49 combined men's and women's winning time. Marathon record. Also, shout out to American marathoner Shadrach Biwat who finished fourth place in the Boston Marathon. He's now sponsored. Brooks. He's joining the Hanson's Brooks Distance Project based in Michigan. He'll be wearing Brooks from now on. Congratulations to you, Shadrach, for picking up the sponsor and looking forward to great results with the Hanson's team. Now let's get to Will Hewitt, who joined me to discuss the men's 4x800 meter relay from the IAAF World Relays, which took place in Nassau, Bahamas. Joining me now to talk Men's 4x800 meter relay from the IAAF World Relays. In the Bahamas, I have my friend, former teammate, 
at Hope College, cross country track and field. Will Hewitt, Will, thank you for joining late night to talk some four by eight. Oh, um, I'll always be up late for some four by eight. I know you are. You're an 800 guy. You're going to have great commentary on this race that happened on Sunday. It's Wednesday. It's right around 1030 Central Time. Will's joining me on that Eastern Time Zone. So he's we're approaching midnight, his his area, and he, he's ready to talk some 4 by 8 in late April. And we're going to get after it here. If you didn't know, yes, the Bahamas hosted the third installment of these IAAF World Relays. A cool event, a lot of festivities going on around the track during races. It's it's interesting, it's relatively new, and we're just going to focus on men's 4x800, the USA men, taking home the gold and $50,000 prize for their victory really over Kenya. It was back and forth, mm-hmm. uh, USA men versus Kenyan men, right Really, from the get-go, we had a we had a gap showing early. Those two squads battling it out down to the the final leg, which we'll get to again. Will Hewitt on the line, joining me from Grand Haven, Michigan. Will, I got to get something out of the way early. We have to talk about this body cam that NBC tried out for this race. It has to be a trial and error kind of thing. First time I ever saw it, things were going crazy on Twitter about it here and there, already some memes and gifs. What's What was your initial take when they went to the Mexican body cam there? Well, when I heard about the body cam, my first thought was, it better not be on Team USA. I just, <laughs> I didn't, I don't know. I just thought like any sort of hindrance, I didn't want that. And then I found out it was Team Mexico and the refugee team. And I thought, well, I guess that's a, I don't know. I just felt like, I guess he definitely would be a child once they didn't put it on the teams competing or vying for that top spot. But uh, I I thought it was hysterical when they actually showed the feed because it was so shaky, you couldn't see it. But at the same time, I was totally brought back to my, you know, days running the 800, those those hectic blurs from that you remember after you're done with your race. That's totally what I pictured when I saw the, the feed. So I thought the coolest shot... Okay, I watched the replay again tonight of the entire race, starting with the intros, which we'll get to here in a little bit too. But I wasn't I didn't get any less dizzy than I did watching it live on Sunday. And I was just, you know, kinda in and out feed when they went to the body cam. It was super interesting. If you don't know, there's a, a body cam on like right in the middle of the chest of a Mexican runner and uh a member of the refugee team and just up and down. You saw the arm swing. I thought the coolest shot was the Mexican exchange. They got one baton exchange on the live broadcast. And that was that was cool. I mean, they, the whole idea was to show you what it's like to be crowded in the pack of a uh, high class 4x800, which is a great idea. I think when they sit down and talk about body cam, IAAF World Relays, don't know mm-hmm. what the audience is going to be, but let's just give it a shot. <laughs> Yeah, the the clarity was not too good, but like I said, like I wasn't. I guess if you were, you know, the average person watching a race who's never competed in an eight hundred before, you'd be, well, this is kind of pointless because you can't really see anything. But for someone like you know, someone who's been in a race, who's been in that environment, it, I was I was absolutely reminiscent of just that hectic feeling of being in a race, and um, I thought it was really cool in that respect. 
Hectic is a great word to describe it. So going forward, <laughs> if you're part of this committee that's like body cam or no, are you still on the fence? Are you like, we got to ditch it or let's go all in and see what we can do to improve the quality of the, the feed and maybe make it even more hands-on for the viewer? Do you say yay, nay, are you still, eh, yeah. I got to see it again. I would have to, I would say for me, the camera as, as, as you know, as kind of hidden as they made it, it still looked a little too bulky for me. I think that yeah. um, I love I love the idea of you know anything you know more coverage for track and field anything in that you know way is great and whether that means body cams or overhead cams or uh, you know whatever it may be or I wacky can, introductions before the event yes or wacky introductions anything that spices up the sport I'm all for like they did that in the Olympics this year where they had um, for the finals, they had guys come out one by one announcing them out. That was awesome. But I, uh, I would say, for for me to condone Team USA wearing it, it would have to be a lot smaller and a lot less interference. And for the and for the average person to enjoy it, it would have to be a lot more stable. And I don't know how they would do that. <laughs> we'll see going forward. But that was our first taste of body cam during a, a track race. In terms of the introductions, just to go quick through i mean i'm not going to go team by team but mexico had the body cam and they also had one of the best introductions i actually took a screenshot watching the replay tonight because i might float that on social media at some point later in the week uh kenyan team did a nice bow they all bowed at once Mm -hmm. um again if you didn't see it each team the teams of four came out through the tunnel and they had like five second time frame to maybe do something coordinated and as I said wacky as they were introduced to the stadium U.S. those guys they kind of did like a a stoic hands on the hips kind of posture and looked yeah, like, a, the like a superman on top of a building kind of thing right exactly uh anything you remember from the intros again I have a fresh idea yeah. in my mind because I just well, watched it tonight I know you watched it live on Sunday Right. Well, I was watching in preparation for this year's. I was watching the 2015 relays, and <laughs> the United States did the exact same thing. Oh my! <laughs> it's the exact same. So maybe they, they were. It was a little uh, bit of superstition. I don't know, but um, they did. They did that. Who else? Uh, I know that uh, the refugee team did something interesting. I can't remember what they did. They did. They like locked arms together, and I don't know what symbol it was. Right. But they did have something planned there. I have to dig deeper into what the meaning behind it was. And then we also had Poland in the race, Australia, and Qatar. Mm-hmm. Intros aside, one through six, it looks like the refugee team did get a DQ, and they ran 8-12 and change, and they came home to a standing ovation, which is really cool down the final stretch uh, to see this group of four be rallied in, even though they were nearly a minute behind the victors, the USA men. USA men took the crown 713.16. Kenya just a hair behind 17 or 713.7. Poland in third, Australia in fourth, Mexico in fifth, Qatar in sixth. Again, we're talking four by 800 men's relay at the IAAF World Relays in the Bahamas on Sunday. Will, we had USA, we're going to focus on them because this podcast does focus primarily on American distance running. 
had a team of Brandon Kidder, Eric Sawinski, Kaz Loxham, Clayton Murphy. Pretty, I mean, a, a strong team. Excited as a fan of American distance running to see these four guys come together in, in April to try to take home gold for for USA. Kidder takes it out and right there, I said early, I said in the intro to this call that early separation, USA, Kenya, we don't have to go into detail leg by leg by leg, but from the start, were you ready to cook up the popcorn and just say USA, Kenya for sure? Yeah. Yeah. No question about it. Um, you know, I know Poland, they have, uh, Marcin uh, Lewandowski and, Adam Schott, who are both great, but I don't think they have they don't have the support in uh, across all four legs that either of those front teams did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was uh, I was I didn't know the roster coming in. I had to wait to see until until I saw Brandon Kidder. I knew I knew that Murphy was going to be there. I knew Loxham was going to be there, and Swinski ran a terrific leg in 2015, so I knew he'd probably be there. Um, but I didn't know if Solomon was going to be back or who else they'd bring in. And I was really excited to see Kidder. I'm a big fan of his and. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a big burden with that first leg, and he he did a great job, I thought, competing. I did too. And if you look at the splits, it's super interesting. The winning team, U.S. men, 148s across the board. We know how much a tenth of a second or .4 in the 800 is, but it was really 148.1 to 148.5 for all four guys. That that stood out to me that there wasn't an alarming 145 anchor leg right. by Murphy or Kidder taking it out slower and say 151. It was 148s across the board and a 713 finish far off from the national record, world record, even this young mm-hmm. relays event record. But still, wet conditions on the track. Every Every close-up they had of the of the front pack, really USA versus Kenya, there was rain spitting up behind them with every step, and not not going into the race thinking, okay, we're gonna shoot for the seven oh two world right. record or or try to break our American record. So that's I think why we saw more conserv. I mean, saying conservative with a one forty eight from my perspective is pretty absurd, but one forty eights across the board is consistent, and it's a way to bring home gold. Yep. I, uh, one thing I noted, right, uh, you know, right, right when the, the anchors got the baton, you know, it was pretty bang, bang. And you could just tell no one wanted the lead right off the bat. And both of those last legs, easily those guys, I mean, one of these guys can go 145, 146, but you know, Murphy's a guy who's already ran 143 this year. And he, he was, he knew what he was going to do the second he got the baton. And that was just wait until his time. And he did exactly that. So, Loxham closed a gap on his leg, the third leg, real quick after he got the right. pound from Sawinski, and then it was just neck and neck until really that last 200 when Murphy, I saw he split 24 low for his last 200. He's just in such control. You said it. In April, he goes, earlier this month, 143.6. Are you kidding me? 143.6, that's... I mean, he's the world. He's the world's best at the moment, and he's looking around. He, he can do a whole 360 with his head. Just who's going to stop me this year? Who's going to mm-hmm. stop me? It's a World Championships year, and what a privilege—or not a privilege, but what a 
what a treat to have this this guy who whose story is unbelievable coming from Akron and just blistering his PRs in the last three years and taking a bronze at Rio and he's our number one guy he's the world's number one 800 guy so when he took the baton anchor like will are you in any doubt USA loses or are you thinking Rotich Ferguson Rotich the anchor like for Kenya could really give him a run for the money not I I didn't have one doubt in my mind uh, just he you can just Clayton Murphy's one of those guys who he is so consistent I have from this, I mean, I've only been watching them. I mean, it really came on the scene in that uh, when he won the 1500, is was that his junior year or at Akron? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. But th- when he came on the scene there, ever since I've seen him running, he is he has a you know a textbook stride. His head's always up, focused on what he's doing. Um, he's just someone that doesn't. Uh, he doesn't give anything away. Like he's not never gives away pain. He's always um, he competes all the way to the end of every race. I've just I've never seen anyone like him before in this 800, and it makes sense because he's you know he's the first guy to medal in the 800 in the Olympics since I mean I don't even can't even remember <laughs> who the last guy was it uh, was it Waddle? Is anybody after Waddle? Oh my gosh, Dave Waddle. Dave Waddle, 1972 Munich Olympics, wins a gold medal for the USA in the 800, wearing a baseball cap. Absurd race, phenomenal commentary. Watch it on YouTube. Dave Waddle, 1972 Olympics. I I know there was uh, uh, there was a guy in the early 90s. I can't remember his name right now, but uh, I think it, I think that's what it is. I think it's been a long time, and yep. um, and we have him. We got guys like Brazier, who's already gone 144, um, wasn't even on the team. And, yeah, it's just it's the future for distance running in America, especially in mid-distance, looks incredibly bright, especially with uh, Centrowitz at the 15. And it's, it's pretty special to watch, pretty special to witness. And an event like these relays where who knows what the ratings were, how many people watched. It's late April. It's early in the season for track. Um, not... An incredible viewership, I'm sure. And there was some talk mm. of, are you going to pay 70 bucks to sign up for NBC Sports Gold to watch this? Or are you just going to wait on Twitter and for people who are there live waiting for results? But it's still a, a great event to see what we have cooking right now, mid-distance-wise for U.S., both the women and the men. And to see a guy like Clayton Murphy running these relays is awesome because he is the world's number one at the moment. In the 800 and did we mention he's 22 <laughs> he turned 22 in february and that's just again i i urge a listener to look up just this past two years honestly from really age 19 to 22 it's incredible what kind of improvement murphy has put on the table and yeah 22 turned that in late february born in 95 university of akron now pro with nike and you're an 800 guy, Will. You've already talked about kind of what what's tantalizing about Murphy. What else do you see from him? With your 800 background, that was your go-to in college. What, I mean, just seeing those side views from the relays mm. on Sunday and just seeing that stride and the comfor- comfortability and how in control he is, how strong. What else from your 800 background do you see from Clayton that's just like, 
okay, he's 22, and we have him for a while on the USA scene. That's going to be a treat. Um, I would have to say his tact, his maturity, you know, he's 22, like you said, and, you know, just the way he, um, the way he handled that pressure situation, uh, um, in that anchor leg without so much as a slip up, he, uh, just did exactly what he needed to do. Um, and you're coming into that home stretch just to, it's a, it was almost a weird sensation knowing that the U S the United States athlete was going to beat the Kenyan athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't felt that before. I mean, I'm looking, I, I fact-checked myself on the, uh, the history here in the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, United States, we have won three bronzes since, or four bronzes, if you count Murphy, since Waddle. Okay. Um, but the Kenyans have won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, five of those being gold. So, um, historically, uh, Kenyan is certainly the the favorable nation there and to to see that we beat them twice uh in the past two for those past two relays um that's that's really incredible and something that i hope uh kind of spurs a maybe a popularity for track and field especially with these distance athletes who um just keep rising to the occasion on national stages you make a great point there because i was watching it live too on sunday and just thinking Murphy's not going to lose this, and it's a Kenyan team. Do they have their best? It's debatable. Mm-hmm. Do, do, do the Americans even have their four best? Again, right. there's arguments to be made. But still, Baton, last leg of a 4x8, and Kenya, who has the world record in the 4x8, is right there, actually neck and neck with the Americans, and you have confidence that USA, across the chest, is going to cross first. That's a cool moment, again, to be a fan and to be involved as much as we are in middle distance and distance running for American track and field. It's a fun time, and tide could be turning. You know, history says Kenyan-Ethiopia distance running, obviously, in a landslide. However, there's gains being made by other countries, and you're seeing... Uh, this burst in American marathoning, too, with the Boston Marathon just on April 17th. We had six of the ten fastest men from America, six of the top ten from the USA. The USA women had a terrific showing, went 3-4, uh. went and then took home 11 through 22 at the Boston Marathon. So you're seeing the surge in the 26.2 distance, but again... Seeing what we have at mid-distance, 1,500 steeplechase with Jagger and his boys, and then 5 and 10K, there's room for improvement, obviously, when you're going against the might of East Africa. But an event like this, again, World Relays kind of had a weird time in the year, but we see what we have coming up, and we get a victory, both men's and women's side, 4 by 8 That was the longest distance event at these relays they did have a four by 1500 meter in the first installment in 2014 then they changed that to a dmr distance medley relay 2015 when usa men broke the world record but just four by eight was the longest race of these relays and hey usa takes gold on both the men's and women's side so just to recap men's four by 800 meter relay iaaf world relays 
in the Bahamas. U.S. gold, 713.16. Kenya silver, 713.70. Poland with the bronze, 718.74. Australia in fourth. Mexico, shout out to Mexico, not only for a great introduction, but also a national record. They finished fifth, 720.92. Congratulations to the Mexican squad for setting that national record. Qatar in sixth at 728.25. And U.S. got a national, a world lead with with 713.16, but that was previously held by the University of Florida at 718.11 set on April 1st of this year. But U.S. does have the world lead now in the 4x8. See how long they hold on to that honor. Will 50K go to the winning team of this relay? I don't know. I guess it's just a team choice to divide it up among the four guys on the squad. I heard in a post-race interview, one woman did ask the squad, like, are you going to, who's going to buy something flashy with the 50K? Or are you just going to save it? And the guys were pretty dismissive. It's like, yeah, I'm probably going to save it, yada, yada. <laughs> 50k how would you divvy it up if you're like the leader of this if you're the anchor leg of a four by eight squad you got 50,000 in your pocket are you dividing it up evenly are you saying hey I anchored us to the win I'm gonna take a little more I'm gonna spend it on this that what are your thoughts I think uh I would throw I think for just for fun I might throw uh throw Murphy at 51 or uh (laughs) give, give, give him the give him the largest portion by 1k and then uh just really split it up just because he, he did that work at the end was really impressive and just kind of to be funny and these these guys uh they seem like good sports i saw that interview too and she was uh i think she was looking for a a funny answer and the guys were pretty stoic about it. <laughs> uh, brandon kidder's like oh, i'm probably gonna save it yeah I don't, I mean, it's like i'm new to the professional stage so but uh, yeah, that was I thought it was into. I didn't even know that they that they got fifty thousand dollars. That's that's pretty great. So, you've been to the Bahamas. I had. <laughs> How long were you there? I was there for one day. I was in Nassau. I was in Nassau for one day. Yeah, you were in Nassau, the site of these relays. Yeah. When you were there for the quick stint. Yeah. Could you look around and say, hey, they can hold a re- World Relays event here, and it would be a lot of fun, festive, dancing. Would you put your butt in a seat there at the Relays? I, I I would, but when I went there, I would not have said that this would be a great place for Relays. Really? <laughs> I, I don't think I was in the downtown area, so I, they, I, didn't, maybe, I was like in a port or something, so I didn't get the best side of that. But, heck, yeah, you know, I, I would love to see an international race of any sort. I'd pop my butt down in the seat quicker than anything it sounded like during the four by there was like a live band i know in a couple shots you could see the stage and there were people in funky costumes just dancing around kind of like a mariachi band mariachi yeah like Uh and it was just it seemed like a lot it wasn't a packed house it wasn't sold out by any means but decent enough number of people where some of those pan shots and those wider angles, you could see a lot of fun going on, and it looked like it was again a little wet conditions, a little rainy, but still, this event has a lot of body cam aside. I'm not going to bring that into this, but yeah. this event, just its third ever 
relay. I mean, I, I think it has a lot of potential, and if it stays in Nassau, in the Bahamas, we'll see where they go from here. I also like, I really like the flames that shoot up at the end of each race. I think that... I was going to say, I was totally going to say, I thought oh my the gosh. One, the three fireworks and then the flames was awesome. Yeah, the, the three blasts and the huge flame, watching the replay tonight and Murphy's kicking home for the victory and it's just like, boom, 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 and it's a huge <laughs> flame and he's screaming, crossing the line and it's just like, I want that. Uh, whoever whoever brought that up in the in like the pre race meeting, like big bonus for that person. That was that was I just found out, like I just didn't expect it. They, the announcers didn't mention it at all, and all of a sudden there's this big firework, firework flamethrower. Oh man, that was so cool! And they, they did that for all the races, for all the relays. Yes, such a cool idea. Really makes that uh, just a little thing that they do. I mean, it's a big thing, but it's it's also a little just kind of a touch that they don't really need. And it's cool to see uh, a, like an, a national, international event like that going the extra mile to um, make this cool for their audience. And that must just be awesome to see as an athlete too. Oh yeah, uh, that that makes it really special. And uh, I wonder if that's this, going. This like a, it's a fun event, and this these world relays. I really hope they stick. They stay around. I wonder if that's going through Murphy's head as he's rounding the <laughs> rounding the final bend into the straight. He's thinking. I want these flames on my left to burst up, and I'm going to be the first one to run by them. And then he's going to get that fire at the end, and he's just roaring across the line. It was it was chill-inducing in a way, but also sweet where you just wanted to take that moment. You want that, that video on a loop. Just watch yeah. it whenever you can. Take it out of your pocket and watch that like five-second scene. And then we mentioned I mentioned the women... USA women taking the 4 by 8 victory. Also, that was on Saturday, the day mm-hmm. prior to this men's relay. There were fireworks, literally, but at the end of this race. But pretty pedestrian overall compared to what we know these women can run. And it looked like, or indeed, no woman broke two in her respective leg. But it was a 8.16.36 victory, 8 minutes, 16.36 seconds win for the American women. And they had, it, it was unchallenged. Again, nothing too outstanding in terms of time. But again, as we said, going forward to get two wins, both sides, four by eight. Love that for USA mid-distance. Will, I know it's now seven minutes till midnight eastern time thank you so much for joining i i really appreciate it if there's anything else iaaf world relays men's four by eight from nassau bahamas get it off your chest now and then i'll let you go i honestly i was i'm still geeking about those flames man (laughs) i would say in the future maybe try to get on both sides i don't know and that was pretty cool. <laughs> it makes you it's great for imagery if you're just on a normal training run in Grand Haven, Michigan and you know you're coming to the end, just that final hundred meters before your house or before your parked car, you can just imagine three straight fireworks and a huge I hope, burst. I hope it becomes a mainstay for five Ks all across the all across the country. So Good deal. And they're That's gonna 
<laughs> be running these relays every odd year now. They were thinking, because they did 2014, 2015 back-to-back, but it's been since 2015, the last World Relays. So next one will be 2019 from Nassau. We'll see what events are going to be held. Four by eight, who knows what can transpire in two years with mid-distance in any given country. Again, USA men, fun showing, nothing crazy quick, but still a 7.13 and a gold for the USA. Will Hewitt, thanks again. I hope to have you on the pod again. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, bring me back. I'd love it. And keep doing great coaching things over there at Grand Haven High School in Michigan with the distance boys. Hope they're looking up and looking strong heading into May soon. Definitely. Got a big meet tomorrow, so. Bring it home. All right, will do. All right, thanks, Will. Yep, see you, James. Bye-bye. Thank you once again for listening to Hooray Run Podcast Episode 2. Much appreciation to Will for staying up late to talk 4 by 8 Hooray Run Podcast, now on iTunes and the podcast app on your phone. Subscribe, tell a friend, recommend. Social media, Facebook page, Hooray Run on Twitter is at hooray underscore run, hoorayrun.com. Thank you so much for the listen. Spread the word. Thank you to my friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer, for the beats, the intro and outro. Episode 2 is through. 